Good morning and welcome. I have a couple of announcements. First, if you did not get a copy of the prayer calendar that we'd like for you to be praying each day during uh, Lent, this is what it looks like. There should be some back there in the narthex to pick up if you didn't get one last week. Please pick one up and follow along and pray the little prayers and read the comments about uh, it's there. It's the focus is of course children, children in poverty. Along those same lines, if if you may remember, we have a special Lenten emphasis this year, and it includes. Uh, many facets, but the main uh, fundraiser for little Ellen, the Ellen Project, is going to be Sunday, March the 15th at 5 p.m. There will be a silent auction, live entertainment, dinner, birthday cake, and ice cream. This is her birthday, and we're going to celebrate it and raise money. And this is what the ticket looks like. And these are in the uh, back, and you can purchase these tickets for $5.00. A person and if you were here uh, a couple years ago when we had a big auction when we raised the money for the school in uh, Pakistan it's going to be similar to that we hope to be to have is a wonderful uh, turnout and everything plus there's also a t-shirt that uh, Pager Katie said to contact them uh, it had, this is what it looks like. There's a picture back. Some of these are back there too in the narthex, and uh, it has um, a picture of Africa, the colors of the Uganda flag, and the heart is where little Ellen is residing at this time. So I hope that you will uh, remember about this. And there's also some stuff in the bulletin, and that we would uh, get behind our special Lenten emphasis uh, for this year. And, be, and, be, and participate especially in the birthday bash on March the 15th. All right, let us begin our worship.
be with you. Let us pray together. O God, our Deliverer, guide now the people of your church that following our Savior, we may walk through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
let us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated and let our children come forth at this time. fancy tool to help me get through this this morning so y'all apologize what is oh we got some more come on what is today it is Sunday it is the first day of Lent very good very good so we're going to talk a little bit about Lent I'm going to ask a few questions here about Lent coming up but kind of a little history about Lent we're going to talk about first the baptism of Jesus so I'm going to ask you a few questions. Who baptized Jesus? Any of y'all know? Remember? John the Baptist. And where was Jesus baptized? Do we know where he was baptized? In the river, yes, the Jordan River. And when Jesus came out of the water, what happened? Remember what happened? The Spirit descended like a dove and settled right beside him. And then he heard a voice from heaven saying, You are my son who I love. With you I am well pleased. But what we don't know about the story or we sometimes forget is what happened next. What happened next is God asked Jesus to go out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Right? And we know when he was out there he was tempted by Satan. Right? Do we understand why, this morning we're going to talk about why he was asked to go out into the wilderness. And why he was asked to go out there is that he needed some alone time with God and God needed to prepare him for his ministry and the task at hand. And through fasting and prayer, God prepared Jesus for his ministry. So as we think about that, we think about Lent. So the question is, did any of you give up anything for Lent? I gave up sodas. It's going to be pretty tough because I like caffeine. So more coffee for me. Anybody give up anything for Lent? Candy? Gum? Video games? No takers. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can't give up those video games, right? No. So today is the first Sunday of Lent. So when we talk about Lent, what is Lent? It is 40 days, not counting Sundays, leading up to what? Easter, yes, leads up to Easter. So it's a time that we pray and think about all that Jesus has done for us. And some people observe it by giving up something like what I was doing or what, what y'all possibly do. Others observe Lent by doing things for others, like serving at the soup kitchen or collecting canned goods or, or doing things for other people within the church or visiting the sick. These are all things that we can do. And Lent is a time that we need to focus and call on Jesus 
And he tells us in Luke, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Just as Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness in preparation for his ministry, Lynn is a good time for us to draw closer to God and dedicate ourselves to following Jesus. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of Jesus and his life and in his ministry and going out into the wilderness for 40 days as you prepared him. Father, we, we ask that during this Lent season that you prepare us, that you draw us closer to you and that you lead God and direct us and help us go out and spread your news. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. Thank you. among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
As we begin our time of prayer, I want to draw your attention to the passing of Eloise Hendricks at his Patsy Farmer's uh, sister-in-law. Uh, the f uh, funeral is tomorrow at 2 at Wood Mortuary. Visitations at 1 o'clock prior to the service. Burial is in uh, Woodland um, and Greenville. So we please remember uh, this family in your prayers. <coughs> Let us pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Almighty and most merciful God, through the gift of water, you've saved your people from oppression, sin, and death. And we, the ones you've chosen to be your own, now come before you in praise and thanksgiving, offering our songs to your powerful name. We're reminded this day that you established a covenant with us, given your word that we would not be destroyed, as were our forebears. And as a sign, you set in a cloud a rainbow that whenever we need assurance, we may find it. But we must confess this day that we have not learned that. We give in to temptations. We seek to use you to our ends, and we trust in our own power. And so we pray this day, O Lord, that you would show us mercy. The same mercy that you shown to Noah and many others throughout the generation, show it now to us and forgive us our sin. We're reminded that in the desert you upheld your Son and empowered Him by your Spirit. And so now we pray that you would uphold us with that same Spirit, that we may proclaim the new covenant entrusted to us, to all the world. We're reminded this day, and we are confronted with the frailty of life. We know and care for many this day who are confronted with their mortality. There are some who face death because of disease. Others feel alone because they're troubled in their minds and still more because of their sin and those that feel sick in their souls. We pray this day, O oh Lord, for all those who have made it upon our prayer list, both public and private, and all those in our hearts now that we would like to pray for. We pray, O oh Lord, that you deliver and restore them, that you'd hear us, and you'd do your good and perfect will in every situation. Because we come and we pray with one voice, the prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward at this time.
The Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verse 33-34. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified Him, along with the criminals, one on His right and the other on His left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, as we begin our Lenten journey, as we look at your words to us from the cross, help us, O oh Lord, to see how important each word is. Help us to see how they affect us and how we live our life. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as I said, we would journey with the Lord through these seven short phrases in the order that they were recorded for us. And the first word is simply forgiveness. It is a prayer, a prayer of forgiveness. And Jesus spoke this first word from the cross. And if you will notice, the first part of this prayer is a petition to the Father. Father, forgive them. You know, none of us will experience what Jesus experienced on the cross. And yet, even in our time, many of our Christian brothers and sisters are experiencing these very same type of terrible torture and death. And in the face of this evil that we see today, Jesus' words come to us from the cross. And His words are, I believe, very instructive. They're instructive to us in the fact that no matter how severe a trial or crisis that we might face or others may face, we must not lose as Christian people our confidence in our relationship to the Heavenly Father. To make it through the tough times, we must stay connected to the Father. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 9, it says we should submit ourselves to the Father and therefore our spirits will live. So the first thing I want you to see from these first words of Jesus from the cross is how He started out looking toward the Father. Now the second thing I, I think is so clear and sometimes the things that are clear have to be pointed out again, is that Jesus' petition is not for Himself. Now it is true that later on on the cross, Jesus does have a lamenting cry that is for Himself. But here in the first word, there is no mention of what He's going through, what He's suffering. But there is a mention of what others are going through. Jesus does not think of Himself at all in this first word. Even though one would expect that a person experiencing excruciating pain and knowing that his death is certain might have first thoughts for himself, not for others. But Jesus' concern is for others. And therefore, let us learn and see by Christ's example that we must look to others first before we look to ourselves. Many are hurting far, far worse than any of us ever will. And they need our prayerful support. I'm often reminded that in our time, we seem to have reversed Jesus' commandment that sums up all the others when He said, 
love God and love your neighbor as yourself. I believe so many people in our society today and around the world, they think about loving themselves first. Love yourself and not your neighbor, I believe, is the way the mantra comes out in some people's lives. And it's important for us to understand that that's not what the Lord taught us as disciples. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are to love even our enemy. Because Jesus' petition, his first word from the cross that echoes down through the generations is a petition for the undeserving. And note too that it was a prayer not for those who had wronged him years before, but it was a prayer for those who were in the very act of harming him there, then and there, in the present. Jesus was praying for those while his blood was still fresh on their hands and cloth, clothes. While they were still standing at the foot of the cross and looking up at him, Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. The people murdering Jesus did not deserve his prayer. On the contrary, they deserved his curse. In fact, they probably scoffed and laughed when they heard Jesus praying. And yet this text clearly teaches us that Jesus did not pray those kind of prayers. Jesus prayed a prayer for their mercy, for their forgiveness. Something that they neither deserved nor asked for. And you know today that there are many who do not deserve this petition of Jesus. And it's still instructive for us to note that Jesus prays for no one on the supposition that they deserve his petition. Jesus prays instead with great mercy and grace for the guilty, for the undeserving, for his enemies. And it's important for us to note that Jesus still prays today for those who are undeserving, those who are in need of forgiveness. And so should we. Jesus still prays for those who do not ask Him to pray. And so should we. People who are dead in their sin, dead in their transgressions, it's important for us to hear this day that the first word from the cross by Jesus was not a word of condemnation, but a word of compassion, prayer, a word of forgiveness. Even while they scoff, and even today as those who scoff at the gospel of Christ, His heart of love is still entreating the favor of heaven and his disciples to pray for their forgiveness and to pray for their, our enemies. The problem in our time is that we think that we should only pray for those who are deserving. We should only pray for those who, who are the object of good things and goodness. But Jesus prays for all, he prays his love, his grace, his truth comes through from the cross in that first word, which is very instructive for us again in thinking that no one really deserves this, do they? No one deserves God's love and grace. No one. But the beauty of the good news of Christ is that the undeserving of which, if we will admit it, we are also part that the undeserving are the object of God's love and grace. It's important for us to see that Jesus loves the undeserving, that Jesus prays for the undeserving, and He asks for forgiveness for them. One might have expected him to pray, curse them, Father, 
Strike them down, Father. But Jesus doesn't pray that. I have found myself praying those kind of prayers more often than not. I imagine you have too. And yet, from the cross, we hear Jesus clearly saying to us that we must forgive. He forgave His executioners in the middle of a most heinous act. A great witness to our faith occurred a couple of weeks ago. You may have seen it. You may have not seen the report. But according to what has come out to us through the Christian press is that those 21, I think it was 21, those Egyptian Christians, however many they were, were all given the opportunity to renounce their faith and to curse Jesus Christ. And their life would have been spared, but instead they would not do that. They kept their faith and they became martyrs for the faith as Christ was the first martyr for the faith. Do we have that kind of faith? Can we pray for them? Can we pray that the love of God would somehow or another change them? I saw another report that I failed to mention in the early service. It came back to my mind was that there is actually dissension growing in the ranks of these people over these acts of burning people alive and beheading people and that there is dissension because some of the folks who have traveled even from our country to be there and be part of this mess, you see, it has done something to their conscience. God is even at work now. We must continue to pray that our enemies will become our friends. We must continue to pray that people will turn away from evil. And we must continually to pray the same way Jesus prayed. Someone once said that if we had no other description of Jesus, this text alone, if this is all we knew about Jesus Christ, this text alone should evoke adoration and worship from us for a person who would ask the Father to forgive those who are killing Him. You and I, though, our first inclination is revenge, is to fight evil with evil, to fight hate with hate, to fight violence with violence. And it's hard for us to grasp the heart of our Lord. It's hard for us to understand why would Jesus ask for the forgiveness of those who are in the process of murdering Him. What is the ground? What is the argument? What is the plea on which his, position, his petition is based? As Jesus looked from the cross at His executioners, what did He see in them? To commend them to the Father for forgiveness. Now I cannot presume to know for certain but it has been suggested, and if you listen carefully to what the Lord said, that maybe their ignorance was the ground for His petition. If they had known what they were doing, if they had known who He was, maybe they wouldn't have acted. And so the people walk in darkness, we know this, and the people think that they're doing God a favor they thought that day they were doing God a favor by killing this blasphemer, Jesus. And even today, we have people who think they're doing God a favor by killing people. And the Scripture has clearly told us that the God of this age, Satan, the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers.
so that they cannot see the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Knowing this, our Lord cries out His first word to the Father, asking for forgiveness because they do not know what they're doing. My first inclination is probably like some of you, and when I said this at 9 o'clock, I saw heads shaking in affirmative. My first inclination is that maybe we should mount up a new crusade and go into these lands and kill every last one of these people. But they do not know what they're doing. And if we are to be faithful to our faith, we must not become like those who are so evil. We must respond to Jesus' prayer, petitioning for forgiveness. We must remember that we too have sinned and have been forgiven. You know, I am far from a perfect person. I would say that I have probably engaged in about every sin there was up until the time that God called me into the ministry. And if our Lord didn't say from the cross, forgive me, forgive him, because he does not know what he's doing, I would not be here today. We must understand that we too have been ignorant. We have sinned. We do not know the implications of our sin. And our ignorance has called the Lord of the universe to say from the cross, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That's why he said forgive them. God cannot ignore our sin. God cannot ignore any sin anywhere in the world today or in the past or in the future. That is why Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them because our sin must be forgiven. It's our only hope is if our sin is forgiven and we turn and repent and look towards our Lord. Our ignorance, you see, in a way gives us a glimmer of hope, a little bit of hope. Because we too have ignorantly forgotten our Lord who is willing to turn and pardon and forgive us if we will turn toward Him. And this is the Word of Christ that must be heard by the world. You may or may or not agree with anything that Franklin Graham ever says or his policies or procedures, the head of Samaritan's Purse, Reverend Graham's son. But this past week on, tel on national television, he was interviewed about these folks and he said several things. I'm not going to repeat them. But at the end of it, he said, these folks don't have to kill and murder to get to heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ is ready to welcome them into heaven if they'll just trust and believe in Christ Jesus who prayed for and died for them. They will be saved. And that is the essence of the gospel of Christ is if we trust Jesus who prayed for and died for the guilty, we will be saved. And that is the answer for us. But it's also the answer for the whole world. There is no other answer. Lest we fall into fighting and killing, murdering and maiming everyone and everywhere in our own towns and villages and states and countries. War is never the answer. The Prince of Peace 
from the cross, the first word was forgiveness. Forgiveness. And all of us who count ourselves as part of the redeemed, we must rejoice in that forgiveness. We must not only rejoice in it for ourselves, but we must rejoice in it for all those others that it's a way through prayer to turn them from their evil. We must do all that we can. We must do all that we can to show and demonstrate this in our life. For the first 300 years of Christianity, we were persecuted and killed and martyred. And finally, one day it dawned on somebody that we can just keep killing these Christians and killing them. They're never going to renounce their faith. The Lord must be with them. They smile when they're burned at the stake. They say the Lord's Prayer as they die. Who are these people? Thank the Lord we haven't had to live through a time like that for all these generations, but the storm might be coming when we must more, once more hold on to our faith as strongly as we can. And one of the best ways is to remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, all His words. And remember this Lent as we move forward through it, that His first word from the cross was forgiveness. Let us remember Jesus' first word was forgiveness. Forgiveness. Amen.
receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit. May they be yours this day, each day, and always. Amen.